is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Are we ready, Master Zig? That's the mic magic. Oh, yeah. Okay, there we go. Hey, everybody. Oh, do you guys get moody for the show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We drink wine in the dark. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, Welcome. now we can begin. Now we can begin the show. We rolling it. Welcome to, to the, the wine, wine situation. situation. Season two. Season two. What? No more fucking H in our wine. You guys, we dropped the H. We got tired of complaining. Like, the world is fucked enough. Yeah, you know what? They actually spell wine, W-I-N-E. Yeah, we just were living in the dark all this yeah. time. It's like you have spinach in your teeth and someone doesn't tell you. I know, right? We're talking about <laughs> wine and... You didn't tell us there's there's not an H there. No, no, no. For real though, we did uh, we did drop the H, guys. We are just wine situation now because we kind of want to open it up. Yeah. You know, we want to have more people that work in wine, that work in restaurants, that work yeah. in food. We want to have them come in, talk with us. We want to talk about wine. Yeah, we'll talk about wine to l- and learn about people and yeah. learn about wine and all those things. Basically, we're trying to be super optimistic. For <laughs> <season> <laughs> it's going to be the opposite. No more complaining. O- only the wins. No. More wines. Yeah. Only the wins. Only the wins. The wins. Um, but you guys can still write emails and you can still whine at us. Yeah. Our email is now wine situation. No H. No H. No the. It. But you can still use the old Some bastard here. took the wine situation, apparently. Ugh. Ugh. Wine situation. Who needs thes? We don't need thes. We don't need thes in this world. <laughs> How was your spring break? How was your sabbatical? Oh my god, so crazy! <laughs> so many like we we, we are going to do that. We're, like, we're keeping the hip sip tip, y'all. And and I, I don't know why I got. I'm like y'all. Y'all. <laughs> uh, the Midwestern me comes out. Uh, y'all. I went to Louisiana for my sabbatical. No, I went to so Sean and I tasted so many unicorn wines. Oh yeah, we drank Cristal. We did. We and had some stuff. amazing champagne, you guys. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good. It's, it's been a good spring break, but I'm ready yeah. to be back. Yeah. You know, With... dust off the cobwebs. Whew, whew. How was Warm your break? It was great. You know, I'm doing, I'm, I did that play, did that Jack Benny yeah. play. Yeah, you're so. still, you still, well, We're by the time this airs, it's probably. It'll probably be done. But yeah, no, I'm finishing it up right now. So Fringe Festival, it's been really great. We just got a good review. So. Good stuff. Some weird existential fun mind. It's really good. Theater. I've seen it twice, technically three, because they did it twice in a row the first time. That's right. I thoroughly enjoy it. Thank you. I Thanks I might go back for the last trend show. Yeah. Come. Oh yeah. Come on back. I, I think Tuesday possibly. Tuesday at nine thirty. We'll, we'll see. Three clubs. I think I'm in a freaking SAG after workshop that night, but uh, Ugh. hopefully it'll get out. Hopefully you'll figure it Ugh. out. After wine life. Ugh. Hey, what's your hip sip tip? Oh, my hip sip tip is I uh, I visit this Australian tasting thing and I finally got to taste all the Pinfolds wines. Uh, and I they had had this not a port because they can't call it port, but it's basically port uh, Pinfolds in Barossa, Australia. It was a tawny port and it called Grandfather, uh, and they make it like sherry, like in a Solera system where it's like one barrel oh, after another. They're always they're always filtering the bottom barrel out and slowly topping off with new. So there's wine. There's technically molecules of wine in there that go back to like 1940. Wow! It was one of those wines that you take a sip of, and it does all this. 
all these different tastes come at you and then and then you swallow it and then you're like, oh, wow, that was amazing. And you and I stopped to like make a note about it. And then all of a sudden it hits you again. It like comes back <laughs> for a second performance. And, and I'm not a, the hugest fortified wine person, but this wine was delicious. So it has like a full sequel in one sip. It's got a sequel. Yeah. yeah. It's like, whoa, I thought it was yeah. done. Which is good because yeah. it's like $100 for it, which I, I actually thought because we tasted the oh, Grange yeah. too, which somehow cost $700. Yeah. But, but this one was only 100 so it better, you know, last. Wow. She drank some expensive wine. I drank some expensive wine. I mean, I I just had tiny sips of it. Tiny sips. Tiny sips. What was your hip sip tip? Oh, and if my uh, mic sounds different, guys, it's because Zig fixed it, like mid, mid Ellen speech. Thanks, Zig. Feels <laughs> feels feels right now. Feels real right. Oh. Um, my hip sip tip was I've been really getting into Chenin Blanc from South Africa. Oh yeah. It's so good. Steen. Steen. <laughs> I don't know why I say with money. That's. Yeah, but like um, just outside Cape Town, they do a lot of uh, Chenin Blanc and stuff. It's so good. It's like so crisp, refreshing, um, really aromatic, uh, not not too heavy. And I've just been really, really enjoying it. Um, yeah, uh, Jim Clark, who oh, yeah. I worked with the, at the uh, South African event. And, and well, he... At a wine event, but for South Africa with him. And then I met him at the sparkling wine thing, too, and I drank, yeah. I mean... It was, you know, Crystal's good, but that Baxberg sparkling, that Cap Classique sparkling from, oh, yeah. from South Africa you had was, they're doing good stuff down there. Yeah, some good stuff. Yeah. All the way down there. I mean, <laughs> it's so it far is away. south. <laughs> guys, it's so far away. It's very far away. We'll get um, there someday. One day. We'll visit. I hope. I hope. That would be fun. That'd be great. Yeah. I love it. My parents have been there. Oh. Yeah, they brought back some good wine. I mean, that doesn't matter. But they brought back some good wine. So I'm just like, I, I never have it, though. But yeah. my experiences have been pretty almost always. As much as we made fun of, uh, of, of, of why, why am I suddenly... Um, uh, Countries? You know. No, the grape. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Pinotage? Pinotage. Is, I'm like, why can't I think of the name? As much uh, as we made fun of that. What grape have we shaded here? Oh. Pinotage? Uh, yeah. But we have lots of praise for stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, is good. Should should we introduce our? Let's get into the show. Oh my gosh, he is the editor of uh, Eater LA. He's uh, he was on a Herald team here at UCB. It is Farley Elliott. Hey guys. Hi. Hey. Now I, I came in a little late, so I just want to make sure I'm caught up. I'm ready to whine about stuff. I'm ready yeah. to get like no. really controversial and <laughs> talk about a lot of my problems. Hey, is that still want... what we're doing? Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, whatever the guest wants. <laughs> Whatever the guest wants. Uh, Basically, we uh, just kind of want to open it up for everyone in wine and of course. Yeah. restaurants. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't um, believe that anybody in the hospitality industry is like, oh, a podcast where I get to go on and talk about myself and my own personal issues? No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very surprised pass. to hear that. Yeah. And you bring wine for us? No. Yeah, pass. Yeah. I'm good. Oh, speaking of, I'm going to open some wine. Yeah, we, mm. we brought, so since now we're just like pairing wines with guests, and you said you're, you're kind of getting into your natural wine element of, of late? Yeah, sure. absolutely. I, I came to really drinking overall pretty late. I, I The first time I ever got actually drunk was two days before my 21st birthday, and it oh. was essentially to be like, I need to know what I'm going <laughs> to I did it in a safe space with some friends, and I was like, oh I'm going to have to be prepared for in a couple of days when I go crawling around my yeah, college Yeah, because once town. you turn 21, <laughs> you have to get drunk oh, every day. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, every yeah. day. Absolutely every day. Every day. Every day. And, uh, 
And so for me, it's been a kind of slow crawl through really syrupy, often very sweet drinks into uh, I moved to Los Angeles and started covering the craft beer scene here oh. as it was really starting to emerge. And of late, have been much more into wine and stepping through the door into wine is, I'm sure, a version of a conversation you guys have a lot. It, it just feels like the room inside is endlessly large. Mm-hmm. And so as much as I know what I may prefer in a white or a red, I also am very aware that I do not know enough about, you know, appellations and growing seasons and process and, and all of that sort of stuff. And we don't think uh, you need to because then we would have no purpose of life. <laughs> if everybody knew the stuff that people who spend all that time memorizing that, yeah. then we would feel useless. So. Right. Exactly. Right. Like, I'm sure you know a lot more about L.A. tacos. Yeah. Than, than you <laughs> know yes, exactly. so much more about L.A. food than us and like the... Uh, the history you wrote a book on like the history of, of LA you know so much stuff that we don't know so right right so it's all about playing to our strengths I guess we're yeah. all here for exactly. each other we all need to like be specialists in something I guess or you know then yeah. what's the point yeah and so what are we drinking you can't here? know it all <laughs> <laughs> oh can you oh, can you wine master here I go okay um, uh, yeah. what, the, what is uh, this again this is we a hot Daniels yeah it's a Malvasia uh, Bianca excuse me <laughs> Um, this is from Northern California, from uh, Contra Costa County, which is like just on the other side of Monte Diablo, like kind of like really far East Bay, NorCal. And it's a skin contact natural wine. And it's a, a barrel fermented as well. I like these guys' philosophy. I was reading on their website. They're like, we, we will only use a tiny bit of sulfur if necessary. And I so believe in people doing that so their wine stays good. Yeah. So, yeah, so just yeah. tiny little bit of sulfur. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. 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 Cross cheers. Ooh. Mm, oh, delicious. wow. Good That's acidity. so interesting. Yeah. It's a little more sugary than I would have thought it would be. It, yep. Instead of just being bright and kind of sharp acidic, it's it's a nice, more mellow, slightly kind of candy-ish finish. That's mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. It's totally like orange blossom and stuff. Yeah, yeah. totally. And, but good acidity. And they were saying that, too, that they lightly sulfur just to stop mallow. It went through like partial mallow. Mm. Which so that gives it that nice body. Gives it a little bit a of body, body. Yeah, but it still has the acidity because yeah. if it goes through full mallow, then you kind of lose the acidity. Right, right. And mallow is kind of like the classic thing they do for Chardonnay. It's why it's, you know, buttery. And all that right, stuff. so big and rich, and yeah. big and rich, yeah, because it basically, you know, you know, turns malic acid, malic, malic acid into lactic, <laughs> lactic acid. Yeah. Yes, yeah. You can Mal- tell lactic fermentation yeah. for all the people writing notes at home. Yeah. Uh. Notes. Can you tell it's been spring break? I'm like, what? What are wine what, terms what, again? What's the things? <laughs> yeah, so like lactic acid, big milk. Do you? So, do like, you guys? Uh, uh, in your personal philosophies as it comes to wine, do you favor new world, old world, any particular regions or styles? I um, tend to be a huge French wine fan, but I also, there's, um, I mean, if it's good wine, it's good wine. Right, right. Some styles I like other better than others, I suppose, but... Yeah, it depends I think, on my mood a lot. Yeah, it really depends on my mood. Um, you know, I'll try anything. I'll, yeah. I'll sip anything. But I, I tend to be a little bit more of a Francophile, I guess, if I had to pick. But uh, the more I learn about Italian wine, the more I'm getting into that. Yeah. It's, I, it's just a large, large room, right. you know? Yeah. And it's just like you can get bored, you know, just in like the fiction section. You're like, I want to read some nonfiction. Yeah. I want to go over to, you know, arts and leisure. Or I want to go to the travel <laughs> section, you know? It's like you kind of want to explore different things. Totally. And I, you I, appreciate it, you know, for that. I feel like I find myself drawn to um, regions that feel like a little slighted. 
because mm-hmm. yeah. they're, it means they're trying really hard. And <laughs> the, the underdog. And, yes, and they're trying really and hard, and the price point works. I was about to say it's going to be a better price, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. going to be beautiful wine. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. There, there's something appealing about that. I've been drinking a lot of stuff from, like, um, speaking of fortified wine, like um, Portugal. Oh, and, yeah. And, and Portugal trying, wines are really, people are finding them now. Yeah, yeah. And it, it feels like such a, a fun region that for so long was... Only the optics were on Spain, and now beyond port and everything they've been doing for you know centuries, there's a real up and coming movement to do some really fun, inventive, more bright, lighter things than you would think coming yeah. out of Portugal. Oh yeah, and the nice they in like the Douro and Dao they make these Tarriga Nacionales that are just like so heavy in the tannins, but like really rich in the berry, and they, they mix like if, if you're feeling more potent than. I'm into those too. Yeah, yeah, some nice reds from Portugal are great. You know. Affordable bargain wine, really great flavor, really interesting. Yeah, like that's a like one of the great things about learning about wine is that you can kind of unlock these kind of secrets. You're like, wait, no one really knows about this yet. Right, oh. <laughs> it's not that expensive. Speaking of, of Portugal and Madeira, that they actually the scrape that make this. They use oh, yeah. it, they use in this usually the sweetest version of of uh, Madeira, except they call it Malmsey down there. But oh, same Malmsey. Malmsey. I'll have the Malmsey syrupy treat. Well, I just did um, about a week up on the central coast. I went to college up there, so I'm I'm familiar with the area oh, cool. already, but. Um, as I said, was not a huge drinker in college, so it's it's sort of rediscovering for um, for a newly uh, invo- involved wine drinker like myself. But up on the Central Coast, of course, Tri Tip is a very popular Central California kind of ranchero style of of cooking and roasting meat. And all these tri-tip places I would go to, they would have linguiça sausage, Portuguese sausage, yeah. also on the menu. And I was like, why is that? Like, yeah. why is this so region so specifically Portuguese in this way? And so I, I did my usual food writer thing and, you know, fired up JSTOR like I'm in college again and went back to the old school. Like, you know, found a paper from 1950. Oh, wow. And there's this entire history. Names that we commonly associate as being Spanish or, or specifically Mexican really have a Portuguese background when ah. it comes to the West Coast. So oh. you, you'll take like a Cabrillo, Cabrillo Beach. Cabrillo was the first person to really kind of quote-unquote discover from a European perspective Alta, what is Alta California when at the time when it was Mexico and he was Portuguese you yeah. know, Avila from Avila Beach Portuguese and so the way that you have in Hawaii malasadas and things like that that are very specifically Portuguese it's because all of these explorers were hitting the west coast and they could continue to venture on huh. and just like you see in Brazil where the Portuguese are absolutely fine with uh, co-mingling with the existing populations and coming to land and forming their own families and cultures you have the same thing up and down the west coast and huh. so as a two hundred and fifty, hundred, two hundred year old uh, uh, byproduct of this integration, you still have these communities that are doing linguisa sausage. It's really fascinating. Wow. Like so, they learn to like coexist. Right. Yeah, and not exactly. just like take over. Yeah. <laughs> they walk amongst us. Yeah. You guys, we got uh, something to learn from Portugal. <laughs> uh, is there much uh, Portuguese food in LA? Did you know? No, no, not, not really. Like, There's like, so many different communities here, micro communities, but I've not heard of a Portuguese one. Yeah. yeah. There, there's little pockets that we're, we're sort of missing all the time. Um, and, and a lot of, frankly, the overlap because of the integration over centuries that you get with Portuguese food is with Spain as well. So mm. it's more seafood focused than all of Spain would be, but the tapas culture is certainly alive and well. And you will get the kind of, you know, braised Spanish. 
Spanish octopus really has techniques that are originating from Portugal, you know, centuries ago and things like that. So it's it's kind of just under the surface when you do find it mm-hmm. as instead of being labeled a, a strictly and purely Portuguese restaurant. But we, yeah, we don't have a place. They do these kind of morning buns or whatever. We don't have a place that's like just doing those or something. We should. Yeah, we absolutely we need should. One. We need like one type of every restaurant yeah. just in the same neighborhood. I know, <laughs> so right? We could sort of go like Disneyland. Like, yeah. are you shocked when you find a new restaurant that you're in, like, that you're super into because I feel like you've been doing this for a, a, you know a good chunk of time and you've eaten everywhere. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, yeah. I mean, I was looking for like a place to have afternoon tea, and of course, the first article that popped up is you guys had the like the best fifteen right, afternoon right. teas. And, and, and there's like, fifteen of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. <laughs> and I was all like, great, because uh-huh. I, I have a friend. And we're trying to like you know do more of that. So, right, right. Like, uh, it, it's, I was like, then you guys already had a list <laughs> for me compiled today. As much as like I. I eat out for almost every single meal in the city and, and drive around and, and, and do the kind of thing that I do. The, the truth is the number of restaurants in Los Angeles County and beyond, and I do cover the Central Coast, Palm Springs, Orange County as oh, well yeah. in uh-huh. some smaller ways, uh, is absolutely beyond my total comprehension. I've been to probably 650 street food places in Los Angeles County alone. There's wow. 50,000. And, and that's street food only. What? 50,000. <sighs> So I'm, you know, one fiftieth at the at if I keep working. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's wow, it's really that's crazy. incredible. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And for those who don't know, I should say I, I run Eater LA, um, oh, yeah, which is a, a restaurant <laughs> website in Los Angeles. Um, we we cover kind of the day to day of restaurants opening and closing, trends, maps, things to kind of get you around town, and then we do a lot of individually kind of non servicey things that I really like, which will be a one off history of a place, or here's a particular spot that has a great backstory that you might not know about. Sure. Different things like that. I feel like it's such a ubiquitous site that I'm like, of course, everyone knows what that is. Yeah. But yeah, no, but I mean, yeah, we, we definitely have listeners that are like elsewhere, well, other countries. So. I, I run into people every yeah. single day that people have that absolutely no idea. Don't what think about really? yeah. <laughs> people I'm that sure. don't think about food and wine nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these heathens? Yeah, I know, <sighs> I know. Yeah, and I'm in a weird subset too, where everyone's like, "You're a food critic," and I'm like, "Well, I'm not a food critic. I'm like a I'm like a sports reporter, but for food. You know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not anonymous. I have a dining budget. My job is to go in and spend money and build relationships." I was going to ask if you get recognized a lot of places there's a certain type of restaurant that really cares about uh who i am and the coverage that i'm able to present and so uh, i've heard stories that you know a photo of me will be in a kitchen somewhere or something like I that i believe uh, it very uh, flattering uh, in a certain yeah. way uh-huh. yeah um um but i could walk i could walk into barcovel right now and sit down at the bar and i would never get a second glance no one would have any idea who i am That's, if, i would except I for would. that one well, sure <laughs> well, i mean if 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 Dustin Lancaster walked through the door, he'd be like, hey, Farley, mm-hmm. and, and that's great for me, and I want him to know who I am. Right. But I just, before this, had a drink at Big Bar in Los Feliz uh-huh. um, yeah. here in Los Angeles and and sat and paid for my drink and talked to my friend, and right. nobody's like, oh, my God, Farley's here. Like, It works like that a lot less than you would think. So you don't get like rushed to your table right away, right away, sir. Yes. Yeah, but again, it sort like, of it sort of depends. I've uh, I've never going into Bestia, um, it's a very popular restaurant here in yeah. Los Angeles. God, I've, I've never been there. Still, everyone I, says I need to go. It is it is still really great after yeah, all these years. Yeah. I've never made it more than ten feet into that door before somebody comes and does that sort of thing where they touch uh, your elbow. Like um, uh, that yeah. that is a restaurant that it has a vested interest in getting the details right, but. You know, I, I eat at Tlaiuta places or whatever. You know, the, these folks, uh, even if they didn't know what Eater was, wouldn't necessarily do the mental legwork to get to who I am and even care. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's totally fine by me. And, and again, I have a dining budget. Like, I'm able to just go out and spend somebody else's money. So it's all, go- it's all yeah. in service of good information. That's great. Yeah. 
What a fun job. It's a, it is a very fun, very random. I mean, it'll kill me. Let's be very clear. It'll definitely kill me. But until then, I'm very happy. Until then. Yeah. Well, you churn out a lot of things every day. Yeah. So it's got to, I'm always I'm amazed. There's because I get all like the emails twice a day, and I'm like, "There's Farley's name on on like everything." And yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm so a, I'm a high volume shooter. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> Are you usually like a wine person or a beer person, or do you not drink when you're eating the food? Do you just enjoy the food, or are you interested in like that sort of, um, you know, that extra umami that happens when you have two, you know. Like a great wine and a great food item. I definitely now, if I'm having dinner somewhere, will opt for wine. I may start with a cocktail, especially if I'm beginning the evening at a bar before moving to a table, yeah. um, within a bar within a restaurant. But uh, craft beer was really kind of one of my first writing loves. Some of the first stuff I ever got paid to write about. Yeah. I'm still very vested in in the movement of craft beer in Los Angeles and all of the individual hardworking people that are a part of that process. But wine, I do have to admit, is I think a much more interesting pairing for food and the thing I now lean towards when I'm having dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that I, was the right answer. Yeah, <laughs> Correct. This is the wine <laughs> situation. <laughs> the wine show. It's Wait, not, it's so not the craft beer shindig. What were you drinking at Big Bar before craft this? Craft beer they have some good cocktails. Yeah, Big Bar is, yeah. I think, one of the best cocktail places in the city. They're oh. they're really, really good at kind of just slightly giving you a, a fun nudge for a cocktail that you might already know or expect. Mm-hmm. They can lean tiki sometimes, which is really fun like as that. like early summer starts. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just had like a little Aloha. Sazerac that was maybe a little more lemony oh. than I would have normally gotten. And I like loved that because mm-hmm. it's so bright and flowery and, you know, the summertime weather is perfect. Sazeracs are so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, about and for wine, you know, we, we we talked about this over email a little bit. I I'm still skewing, especially this time of year, a little more natural, more white wine than usual. Roses are fine. I never fully jumped on the rosé bandwagon like everybody did a couple of years ago, yeah. Rick Ross included. <laughs> and uh, and so for me, it's it's very fun. It's it's something if I can get a bottle under twenty bucks and drink a bunch of it with my friends in my backyard, I'm having a great time. Yeah. But I'm never going to seek it out necessarily for like a full dinner experience. Here's my thing right now with like orange wine and like natural wine. I'm just going to go for a little. Oh <laughs> yeah, we little... were talking. I, I'll chime in on this too. For, yeah. listen, for listeners at home, if you hear a door close, that's me on my way out. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh no, no, because no, I'm no, ready to be pissed. <laughs> I am. I'm. I'm I all came for... for a fight. <laughs> Uh, um, no, I just feel like people aren't fully educated enough about the the full scope of wine, right? And they just know now to say, "Can I have a skin contact wine?" Right. And it's funny because this is what we're drinking it's right now. It's like the Pinot Noir of the the yeah, not, or, it's or like, just like when people are suddenly like, "If I ask for Pinot Noir, I'll sound like I know it." And, yeah, yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of that going with skin contact, and they don't really care about yeah, the, like, the really dark post sideways years. Yeah, yeah, I know, which yeah. actually decimated the Merlot industry. Next in time California. someone asks for skin contact, just be like, "Have a glass of Merlot. Yeah. It's the new black." <laughs> well, someone asked me last night. They're like, "Can I have a skin contact wine?" And kind of being a little cheeky, I said. Um, I'm like, do you want? Would you like a red wine? I'm like, it's I'm, all I'm, like, I'm like, would you like a red wine? Yeah, literally any, any red wine in the portfolio. Yeah. Any red wine? Because that's technically a, a skin contact. Would you like yeah. a rosé? Right, right, rosé, right. like yeah. that's you know. Right. I'm like, I'm. Assu- I know what you mean because you want this, like, you want an orange wine or a quote unquote skin contact white. 
but it just feels like that's all people know to say and it's right. like you don't it's like you don't know why it's good well right. i think that and comes I'll, again to the people being scared to to not sound like they like people thinking that they are supposed to know about wine and yeah being like, like no you don't need to like just have an open mind is right. all you need exactly and have an open mind to learn about the full like community of wine yeah instead of just like learning and asking for the same thing over and over and over again which a lot of it is not very good right because it's a it's technically quote unquote like a flawed wine it's like i only drink sour beers you know i only i want (laughs) bring on the brat you know yeah yeah. by its process it is meant to be somewhat uh flawed Yeah. yeah yeah and there and there is artisan in that and there's you know artisan in breaking the rules but just like when an artist like takes a bucket of paint and throws it at a canvas you know an artist that has painted still lives and knows how to paint and then does that is obviously doing something to make a is like a deeper right. level instead of just someone being like well i could just i'm an artist like you know <laughs> like right. so like there's that level to it like you have to appreciate the artisan of winemaking in general and then realize why they're breaking these rules and what they're trying to you know push the limit on for me, it's, it's a phrase that I like to use a lot, which is like finding the walls. And it's this idea that, you, you again, you walk into a big room and um, you do a and, mime and, and, and thing. You, you yeah, want to you yeah. go, especially if you, when you're, when you're early mind. into something that you really care about. You want to figure out what's the furthest out I'm willing to go to still appreciate this thing. Mm-hmm. And then now I know what my, my boundaries are. Mm-hmm. Let me come back into the middle to find where I'm really the happiest. Yeah. And so I'm sure a lot of people that are starting to associate themselves with natural wine are in a sense just trying to figure out how far out they're willing to go and you may encounter that same drinker in six years and if they've kept at it with an actual intelligence and a a decision and a choice to learn that they are much more knowledgeable about the thing that they're drinking and maybe they stayed where they were but more Mm. likely they've landed somewhere in the middle and have uh, the ability to give you an intelligent conversation that they can't now yeah i should i hope so (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but you know, there's no guarantees. But this is Los Angeles, you know. It could be like <laughs> Pinkberry. What's Pinkberry? I'm on the Fruitachu. Right. Like, what's Fruit? It hasn't oh been met yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which to me is like, you shouldn't say this stuff on a podcast. Someone's going to steal yeah, that idea. Yeah, yeah. Fruitachu. Fruit yeah. yeah. That's oh our God. next gig. It's actually like, giving it away. Yeah, it's a, it's a blended fruit slushy. If you oh. if you guys get followed by an Instagram account tonight that's called the Fruit Choo Choo Situation, oh, that's shit. for sure me. <laughs> okay. And Zig and I will be in the studio just with a ton of guests. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, it was a short season. Season two. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Fruit Choo situation. Um, we're figuring out what this is together. Uh, here's my guest. Oh. <laughs> I mean, as long as we can be honest. Uh, right, right. First of all, I love Fruit Choo Choo. Fruit Choo delicious. Skin contact smoothie, skin contact smoothie. Uh, um, the worst is listening to it and it's really good. You know, yeah, you don't yeah. want that. Oh. Uh, it's so engaging. It's so entertaining. <laughs> They just don't take themselves too seriously. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's my only thing about natural yeah. wine. And I, I I, welcome anything that brings people into the wine, you know, fold. Yeah. But it's just like, there's just a lot to learn. Totally. And I don't mean like you got to learn shit before you can enjoy wine. No, but like I would rather someone say, I don't know anything about wine, but right. like what should I, like what would you recommend I drink right now right. at this time of day, eating this thing, doing this activity I'm doing? Yeah. And, 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 or just sitting. You know. <laughs> but no, you, you, in a sense, in your work, uh, are hired as a person who knows about wine and can make recommendations for people. So yeah. that's the 
best part of your day, I imagine. Because um, yeah. some, sometimes you're plumbing out the toilets, too. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, yeah. So no, yeah. you might as well, if you don't know that much about wine, let the person who's on the other side of the bar do the thing that enjoys them the most, that, that they get the most enjoyment from, mm-hmm. and that you will end up enjoying the resort yourself. Yeah. Do you constantly have people being like, you have to try this place? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and that, is it usually like I've been there? I, or? Hopefully I've been there. And I also, I get the opposite a lot of people asking very specific recommendations. Okay, I've got seven people, three of them um, don't have legs. And I need to know. Yeah, one's gluten-free, the other's a vegetarian. Yeah, yeah, two of them are from Mars. So where can we, <laughs> like, it's Where can a we lot find of, some Martian food? And uh, Right, right. Or, or they'll just, they'll just hit in these sort of like, uh, uh, it's not fair to say dead zones, but they'll be like, I need a five star restaurant experience in North Van Nuys. And it's like, you can probably, you can eat well if you know what you're doing in North Van Nuys. But the idea that you're going to get a white tablecloth and and a mater D who really knows how to take care of you is probably not going to happen. Right. And so uh, a lot of it is sort of navigating those experiences for people and be like, well, maybe you should expand your range a little bit. Uh And Los Angeles is a city that's out, not up. And so it's, it's much more likely that I have to point somebody to a place that's 30 minutes away instead yeah. of five minutes away. Have you ever been like super disappointed by a restaurant that you were super excited about for opening and then you went and you're like, oh, this place is not good? Yeah. I mean, I would say every week, probably. Oh, How yeah. do you every feel about Major Domo? Because I hear some <laughs> smack about that place. I'm, I'm happy to talk about Major Domo. Uh, I, I will say for me, I don't really qualify restaurants in that way. But that, I, yeah. I, I, that happens to me. I'll be like, I was excited for this place and it sort of let me down. But I also never or really almost never give my opinion on the site. I, I operate it from a third person perspective who is uh, addressing uh, history and facts mm. and giving those to people. So whether or not I like a restaurant is almost immaterial. Right. And um, it's all in service of good information. When I have friends who ask me for recommendations and I give them a recommendation, I always say, no matter what happens, whatever place you end up going to, all I need you to tell me is whether or not you had a good experience, if the service was good, and if the place was busy. And so I sort of can create this you know, neural network of people yeah. every day who are telling me, oh, yeah. I just went to this new restaurant, and guess what? There's two people in there, and it's night three. And that's good information for me. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So it's more about just getting all the, all the information around it, good or bad, or, and, but it's like being a kind of objective. It's just totally. presenting the information. Exactly. And, yeah. I, and I'm... You know, so much of my job is is the readers who come to me expect me to have information before anybody else. And so if if I can know that a place has been struggling for a few weeks, I'll probably be the first person to find out from the landlord that they're shopping the restaurant space or from a broker who's looking to move it. You know what I mean? Like, I want nothing more than to call a person and have them be like, how did you get my phone number and how do you know about this thing? Like, those are my best days, yeah. you know? And conversely, if somebody calls me and thinks they're giving me some scoop and I go, oh, I already know about that, those are also really great days. So yeah. information is really the most important part. Mm-hmm. The meals are awesome and a really cool byproduct, but information trumps all. So there's like a TMZ element to you. Oh, I mean, I mean <laughs> in, in, a, in a serious and non-serious way, yeah. Get the camera out of my face. Yeah, it's you're a not wrong. It's a podcast. I don't get this camera okay, out of here. This you know, is $42. What do you have to say about that? Get this camera out of here. I'm just trying to go about my day. Right. But uh, in, in regards to Major Domo, I, I'm oh. also, <laughs> I, I'm acutely aware that uh, your mileage may vary. You know, I, I, Major Domo is a place where I walk into and they're probably going to know who I am and it may be a slightly different experience for me. And that's totally fine because what I get out of it is different than what an average diner would get out of it. And listen, $190 for a short rib that a few people are going to split is a lot of money, period, full stop, especially in a city where inexpensive dining really has ruled supreme for generations. Yeah. 
That being said, I think David Chang is doing something very interesting. I think David Chang is very good at what he does, and I can understand both sides. I've only ever had good meals there, but I have, like you, heard from people who have had less than great experiences. Yeah, I was just curious because I feel like that's really yeah. fun. I'm like, I would go there expecting not to have the best time because I don't eat meat. And I feel like it seems like a place yeah. that's probably yeah. better for. But as long as they have like a good wine list, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> really, most places, as long as they have a good wine list and yeah. a decent salad, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, And their GM, Christine Larikow, is an amazing woman. She was the general manager at Moza for a long time. She's mm-hmm. a, oh, a that star. Place is great. And you would get taken care of and you will drink well if you go to Major Domo, whether or not you enjoy every dish. I think you could find some things that really appeal to you as as a vegetarian or vegan Mm. or pescatarian or whatever you happen to be. But it's it's a a restaurant that's best enjoyed in a group and that group is better served if they do eat meat. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel sometimes like shabby about how uh, I'm not a snob about food. I'm pretty – I don't have – complicated needs besides like Ellen no you make a pretty good pie I oh. do make a pretty good pie it's a pretty good you pie have, you guys okay, hot, tip. The lead. Hot, yeah. tip. <laughs> hot tip we're opening up a pie and wine pie and wine pie and wine it's called pie and wine I mean oh. that would be pretty cool I did sell my pies at uh, the wine bar once for like a month. See? That's a hip sip tip. Hip sip <laughs> tip. Pie at Ellen's place. Oh my That's God. a hip sip tip. <laughs> Full circle. Uh, have you met the food critic, uh, Jonathan Gold? I have. Uh, Jonathan Gold know each other a little bit. I wouldn't say that we're friendly. I don't have his phone number in my <laughs> phone. Um, the number of people I think in the world that are friendly with Jonathan Gold is probably very, very small. Mm-hmm. He is... Every time I get into my own bullshit about like what I do for a living and the quote unquote competition that I have, whether it's the LA Times or Time Out Magazine or something, Jonathan Gould being a part of that process, I sit back and I re remember that Jonathan Gould is a Pulitzer Prize. A Pulitzer. I know. I, about I, food. I know. I do forget that. Like you, you'll sort You're of right. hear it, and but you won't internalize it, and then you'll be like a fucking Pulitzer. Pulitzer. Like that's, that's true. That's unbelievable. It is yeah. unbelievable. So I, I wrote a book a couple of years ago. It's called Los Angeles Street Food. It's all about the history of street food from a Los Angeles perspective, 1850 to today. Available at, online and available online <laughs> at at Amazon. Um, Ooh, it sounds exotic. Yeah, it's very you. exotic. Yeah, it's a dot DZ address. It's a demilitarized zone right between North and South. <laughs> oh, dark. Web? Yeah, yeah. They, oh. they don't ship a lot, but when they do, it's crumpled. So um, <laughs> it comes in pieces. You have to assemble it. Exactly. It's like IKEA. <laughs> so uh, um, Jonathan Gold had a documentary made about him uh, not I, that long ago. City of Gold. Yeah. And the the final it inspired me to eat so many places. Oh, great! That's uh, good. Yeah. That's what the documentary is meant to do. The, the sort of uh, uh, not quite coda, but but right at the end of of the movie is Jonathan Gold at a bookstore very near to here, who is reading a kind of personalized essay about this. He's living in an apartment at the time, and the family beneath. Him is like cooking this delicious smelling food, and it was like right at this heightened sense of tension for the city of Los Angeles and how food could bring people together. And just the smells of it was enough to for him to kind of reassociate himself with the culture of LA. And the reading that he did at Skylight Books, Skylight was also the first place that I ever did a reading for oh. my book, and I was like very on Vermont, <laughs> yes, yeah. on yeah. Vermont. Yeah. Those places. I was there today, but yeah, I bought a play, it's such a good little bookshop, and, and it, it sincerely like you know made me tear up. So, yeah. as much as again, I, I can get into my own sort of, of insidery food writer bullshit, like Jonathan Gold is an amazing person who deserves all of the respect that he has rightfully gotten for the position that he's in. For sure. I mean, he definitely takes his job very seriously. And, you know, I don't feel like any of his reviews are like, just like flippant. Right. Just kind of like, well, I didn't like it. You know, it's like he has a a reason. (laughs) I I will say, (laughs) 
My only, the only beef I really have is that he's really cornered the market on suspenders. And I'm a guy, <laughs> I wore suspenders to a wedding last year and I was like, as a larger man, this is right up. Like I can see suspenders <laughs> becoming part of the situation for me. And, and then I was like, you could, you could never, the moment I stepped into public oh. wearing suspenders, <laughs> you could never. That would start to be a thing. They'll be like, uh, uh, we're not sure. We think there's a, there's a man in the corner with suspenders, mm-hmm. probably a food critic. Right. A yeah. Right. A hundred percent. He's got to be a food critic. He's wearing suspenders. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that some no name or heretofore unknown name of suspenders brand has not just like bucked up and given some money to Jonathan Gold is like oh. beyond me. Yeah. <laughs> he should he should be in the pocket of Big yeah. Suspender. Him in like Larry David or not 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 Larry David. Uh, <laughs> Larry King. Um <laughs> Larry David probably wears suspenders. Yeah, but he's hiding them. He's hiding them. He's in the closet with the suspenders. <laughs> it's not real. What's with the suspenders? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's my Larry David. Uh <laughs> no way uh Larry King, yeah. Yeah. Larry King. He's got a, a whole line of suspenders. It's, it's Jonathan he? Gold, it's Larry King, and it's uh, hobos who have to keep up their barrels. Those yeah, are kind exactly. of the only three markets for <laughs> suspenders, is my understanding. Those old wine barrels. Yeah. Good tie-in. We wine situation. We, we did it. We did it. Um, can, <laughs> I, can I ask you guys questions? Sure. Oh, God, finally. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's about you, time, really. Do, do you guys have a particular... Uh, are, is there a particular portion of the California wine world that you guys are most fond of? Dry Creek Valley. Wow. Oh, because you love Zinfandel. I love the Zinfandel from Dry Creek Valley. Although our coming up next week, our guests are making the Rhone varietals and like Paso Robles. There are people doing really good, like more European style wines there. But yeah, that's my immediate like California. Totally Zinfandel is, is the like American grape, even though, yes, we know it came from Croatia and Croatia, right? And uh, Italy, yeah, but Italy. but like it's such a if you're gonna pick something to stand behind as a California wine, I'm like I love Dry Creek Valley, right? Yeah, nice. Yeah. And also like similar like Northern California, but like Russian River, I'm yep. a big fan of. Yeah. And I think it's also just because I grew up there, so oh, okay. I'm like like Hillsburg Russian River, right. like Sonoma, Chalk Hill, like all those like little AVAs I love. Oregon's doing beautiful things with Pinot yeah. Noir too. Yeah, and that's what I was. The, the Russian River for me, not only um, environmentally but stylistically, feels like the Willamette Valley, and and mm. yeah. that, that sort of like o- overlap of really beautiful reds that you can get. And it's. Uh, to me, I, I love it. I love yeah. them both, and it, it's such a. I haven't spent a ton of time up there in that Northern California side, but it feels like such a, a beautiful world for those varietals that I could like really go up and just lose myself for a month. Yeah, and I love like it. it, it like they're all kind of close, so you mm-hmm. can do a lot in a day. You can go to like Napa, and you can go to Alexander Valley. I mean, uh, I still have Dry never Creek gone Valley and done and, a wine trip. Yeah, <sighs> and like then, and, and you, you should. I mean, I you know fully recommend it. And Healdsburg is great. Mm-hmm. So the whole like experience is kind of lovely and amazing. Yeah. Whereas other wine areas you kind of go to a couple places and that's it. Winemakers, I might need to run and let Um, our next person in. Yeah, you can run and let the next Uh, person in. I I was, while I was up on the Central Coast, was really surprised uh, to learn in some of my research that between uh, San Luis Obispo County and um, Santa Barbara County that the wine growing like acreage of grapes is the same size as Napa Valley. Oh, yeah. That, that's not all of Northern California, obviously, but it's uh, much more abundant and robust, the difference being that it's not as concentrated. Like you said, you could move around day to day. It's a lot harder between those two. Central parts. Coast is a lot harder, yeah, because it's yeah. like there's some good distance to cover between like Santa Barbara all the way up right. to Lake Paso and Buellton and all that right. stuff. But what you do get in that, you know, the kind of Lompoc wine ghetto area mm-hmm. and, and a lot of uh, small rural communities outside of that are, are people who are just doing really inexpensive, very approachable wine. And it is 
almost direct to consumer from the manufacturer or at least from the grower. You know, yeah. those guys who uh, we talk about sideways, those guys who, who sit at the bar yeah. uh, at the hitching post yeah. one or two and drink wine are the real deal. Like, yeah. No, totally. It's true. It's true. I mean, like, and that's what's funny. People are like, oh, you know, I want to buy this somewhere else. I'm like, you kind of can't. Like, they, right. like, they're not making that much of it. Right. And they're making it in this beautiful artisan way. Like, it really does bring about this great culture and like, kind of cult following. Yeah, yeah. Um, around wine, which is just so lovely. I'm ready. I have another question. Oh. Uh, are you guys uh, fans or ambivalent about uh, Mexico's Valle de Guadalupe? I've had good stuff from there. I really want to go. I think you talked about this on with Charlie and Charlie oh, Sanders. I, I yeah. can't stop talking about it, y'all. I, you <laughs> it's know, really it's funny because I've My, been... I had a friend go down and do a whole tasting. She brought back like really great Nebbiolo. And yeah. We had a Chenin Blanc on the show. Uh, yeah, for Dustin. For Dustin, for Dustin yeah. Lancaster. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah I really want to go bad. Um, did you drive down? Did you fly down? Did you take a bus across the border? It, like, it, It's super approachable to go right from the border, so... You know, you can do it however you want to do it. It's not that difficult to just cross the border in a car and drive yourself. It's well marked. The roads are fine. When you get to the valley itself, you can get to these situations where it's kind of, you know, ruddy roads, dirt roads, things like that. But it's way more approachable. And they've got vans that come through on the weekends and stuff. What I traditionally have done because I'm normally going with friends who have never been into that part of Mexico before. There's a group called Club Tango Hombre that mm-hmm. will take you on tours. They'll meet you at the border in the yeah. morning. That's a, yeah. Yes. Make a and, note of that. And you, it's, it's relatively inexpensive, especially depending on your group. I mean, Club I t- Tango I, Yeah, Club Tango Hombre, H-A-M-B-R-E. I took, you know, 17 comedians on a small tour bus like <gasps> six months ago. That's and it's awesome. they meet you at the border. They yeah. sort of hand you off through the process. They get you on the bus. There's Mezcal on the bus. It's about <laughs> an hour and a half from the border. They take you. You do restaurants. You know, you stop for tacos yeah. in the morning. You do multiple wineries. You talk to the winemakers. You just really get a full, immersive, one-day experience. And they drop you back off at the border at night and you walk back over. Wow. Perfect. Yeah, that's what I, I've heard. I've heard that's kind of the way to do it. And, you know. I'm not, I'm not sure going to stay there, you know. Right. And- Which you can definitely do. And, and there are more and more Airbnbs and little staycation spots mm-hmm. popping up all the time. And Ensenada is pretty close, too. Ensenada is so, 30 minutes away. Yeah. yeah so you, you kind of get the beach vibe, too. And then exactly. do a day trip in there. That's what I was kind of planning. Yeah. It is just from a use perspective, not even talking about how great the wine may or may not be, I think it's one of the most fascinating places to go and experience vineyards in greater Southern California. Well, it's one of like the oldest uh, wineries yep. in like the West Coast is is there, is, is in Valley Guadalupe, but something like 1657 or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so they, they used to grow grapes for a really long time, and then the Spaniards came in, and that was its own thing. And eventually the Spaniards tore out a lot of the vineyards to uh, start importing wine from Spain because that was a real moneymaker for right. them. And then you saw the regrowth and resurgence, and you had old Russians that were down there for a long time in the same way you've had old old uh, Lebanese, old Germans that old are Russians. all integrated. <laughs> they just pop up everywhere. Oh, yeah, there's an old <laughs> yeah. Russian in here right now. Every every time you're like, this doesn't make much sense. There's yeah. an old Russian oh, somewhere old who's old like, I did it. <laughs> oh, it's Fiddler on the Roof. Yes. <laughs> it's Tevya. Whoa, oh, where has oh, this conversation oh, gone so, since I've been I've got it all. I've got it all. <laughs> Do yeah. I love you? What? <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I come back. I'm just uh, like, we were what just, did I walk out? We or? just did the entire uh, play if it were on the roof. Oh, I've never yeah. seen it. Are you not? Oh. I'm drenched in sweat right now. I mean, it's. Uh, I chose to go a very physical route for very my amazing. <laughs> yes. Uh, your sunrise sunset you, was. I can epic. tell you guys have been through something. Thank you. Very much. Yeah. <laughs> something. Yeah. yeah. And I, to be clear, I haven't read the play, but I did break into. <laughs> hey, everybody! It's me, the fiddler. So, you know, you could tell I was really going uh-huh. for it. You were yeah. feeling yeah. it. <laughs> Very vaudevillian. It was exactly. Very, yes, just, yeah. yeah. I'm on the roof. <laughs> Get down, you crazy kid. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Play. I, I uh, uh, in, in my world of, of covering food in Los Angeles and beyond, almost uh, almost none of the people that I interact with on a regular, semi-regular basis have any idea that I ever did comedy stuff at really? UCB. Yeah. And it was like, I moved to uh, LA to do UCB yeah. comedy uh, stuff. It was like my first love. I really was able to quit my day job and was doing a little bit of comedy, you know, coaching, whatever. I was on the Herald team and was writing about food and stuff at night. And it got to the point where all of my comedy friends were like, well, where should we eat? You know, they're just all asking me about restaurants. (laughs) And I, I would sit in audition rooms and I would be like, man, the guy that's, on the other side of that door is doing a better job than I know I'm capable of. And I, I, it just made me realize yeah, like, like uh, I don't want to chase to find a manager. Like I yeah. see all of my friends trying to do this thing and all my friends are better than me. Like I should not be doing this, but I am having the most fun, like talking about new taco places that I've just figured out exist. Yeah. And so let me try to chase the fun thing. Yeah. That's such a great, great lesson is sort of like, you know, just because we have this idea about what we think we should do or what we think like, well, that's what the thing that'll make me happy. You know, you're like, you kind of ignore those things that you naturally are inclined mm-hmm. to be interested in. And, you know, like your your idea of success and your idea of what that looks like, sometimes your personal success looks very different, mm-hmm. but you actually excel at that. Yeah. And, and I, I think a lot of people like shut that off, you e- know. Exactly right. And I think. My friends who I can point to. Isn't it awesome, though, that like the career that found you, like the the backup is writing? Like, no, these are all careers that people are like, have a backup. And you're you're like, yeah, well, mine's writing, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'll be a writer. (laughs) Not that. This other shit's not working out. (laughs) Um, The the truth is, and I I feel like I say this all the time, you know, what did I really, really honestly in my core of course want out of being on a Herald stage at UCB is I want people to um, be be impressed by me in some way, right? Look what this guy can do yeah. uh, on stage, making it up. Um, and I want people to like me in the way that anybody sort of in the entertainment industry does. And I want to be able to make a living doing that. And I get a version of all three of those things in my current job. Yeah. I get to go have relationships with people in the restaurant industry where they're like, man, you have a cool job. And yeah. it's like, I do. I do have a fucking cool job. Yeah. And I love being able to talk about the cool job that I have. Yeah. And people come and read the work that I have decided to put out onto the internet every single day. And, and so I'm satisfied in much the same way. I don't really regret sort of sure. turning away at all. No, I mean, I, it's so, I concur I'm, that writing is, is very like uniquely satisfying in a yeah. way that acting isn't like they, they all have their own sort of like yeah. perks of especially if someone actually really reads something, you're like, oh, my God, I made that and they got something from it or they. Right. Yeah. It's, and it's and, like very fulfilling. <laughs> and I have the unique ability to, in my best moments, help people who are already doing a cool thing have more recognition for mm. that cool thing. Yeah. And, and to literally know people who go from cooking burgers in their backyard, making brisket on the weekends to opening up a restaurant and having hundreds of people show up is, you know, those people aren't in 
in line because just because they read something from me. They're in line because the product is good and the person who started the thing was smart. But to be able to help them on that journey is way more satisfying yeah. than I would have ever been able to get being a guy who just showed up on camera once in a while. Well, there's something so performative about restaurants. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. doing a it's like doing a play every night. Yep. You know, and that's why people like like to come in the bar before we're open. I'm like, it's not like we're not ready. The, right. cur- like the curtain's still down. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't want to see this place right. in the you know without the lights on, and like because it's uh-huh. all you know, it's all part of the mastery of it. Mm-hmm. Even when it's just like someone cooking in their backyard, you know, they're like, here is the thing I presented to right. you. Like, so there is an, a very artistic sort of presentational element to restaurants and food, and it, exactly, it, and you know, it goes back to this thing I said before that you know whether or not the food is great sometimes doesn't really matter. The example that I always give is is there's a restaurant in South LA at Florence and Normandy called um, um, Art's Famous Chili Dog. And it's been there since the 1930s. And it's started by this guy named Art Elkin. You know, He's a, a white guy who moves from the Midwest. He claims to have invented the chili dog. Very spurious <gasps> claim, but they hold to mm. it. Okay. And, and so he's got the chili Chinese. dog place Yeah, back when South LA <laughs> is just, you know, orange groves and aerospace. And eventually that neighborhood starts to change into what we traditionally have known as South Central. And by the 60s, 70s, 80s, much of the metropolitan side of Los Angeles and municipal side of Los Angeles has left South LA to kind of rot and die. And you had white flight moving out of this urban centers of downtown. And so by 1990, it is in uh, a state of disrepair, the entire neighborhood. It's pretty dangerous. And um, the LA riots happened in 1992. Art Elkin dies in 1990. His family's been trying to run it. And if you know anything about the LA riots, there's this sort of famous moment where an 18-wheeler driven by a guy named Reginald Denny gets stuck at an intersection and these guys pull him out of the middle of that truck and beat him in the middle of the intersection and it happens on live news TV and, oh, yeah, and the cops that, yeah. have to watch. If you watch that news footage, Art's famous chili dog is in the footage as the helicopter spans around. Oh. It's right there right on there. that corner. Like, yeah. It could not be much more of a literal flashpoint for, for racism and changing demographics oh, in the city wow. of Los Angeles. The people who owned it decided we got to get out of here. They try to sell it. They sell it to a guy who grew up 800 yards away, went to the high school next door, married his high school sweetheart, uh-huh. and runs a drug rehabilitation clinic for South LA. Oh my and it's still up the, and running today, still claims to have invented the chili yeah. dog. <laughs> and if you go down there, everybody knows, you know, this is a neighborhood that's on the rise. It's a neighborhood that still uh, has been there for a long time and, yeah. and has some problems, but people take pride in that neighborhood. And they know that at Florence and Normandy, if you go there, you do not fuck with arts. Mm-hmm. And and that is all to say whether or not the chili dog is any good does not matter. And those are the moments to me where I get to talk about stuff like that right. and use uh, food as a lens to talk about um, immigration and racism and uh, culture clashes and a lot of the ways that you know major urban centers in Los Angeles and beyond have left people of color to fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. That to me is what food writing is uh, when it can be at its best. Absolutely. No, it's like it's, it's coming to the table. It's bringing everyone to the table. Like right. everyone, yeah. it's something we all do, you know, right. and like like breaking bread together. That's why there's so many like <sighs> deep, deep, you know, ceremonies and cultural things around people coming together mm-hmm. and eating. Mm-hmm. And it really can unite, you know. Yeah. So many different people. Well, I guess on that note, I was going to ask you what's bringing you some joy. We ask everyone Sorry. that, but I we're, feel we're, like... We're keeping that from the old... We're old keeping that from the old eps. Yeah, we want to know what's making you happy. What's making you happy, but it's, I mean... I, I will tell you, like, this This is um, very relatable to this current podcast. My wife and I just moved into uh, a new house, and we had to do a little bit of remodeling to the kitchen, and at the very, very last minute, we decided to allocate 15 inches for a little wine fridge. Yes, yes. you must! And, and uh, <laughs> it's it's been a game changer. It's yes. been a really, really 
amazing. Yes. Isn't it fun just, to open it up and be like, what's in here? It's, a, it's like flipping through the vinyl. You're just sort of like, what's back oh, here? Oh my God, that's so wonderful. It's really, really, really nice. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I, I, I get so happy when people have, because people are always just serving wines at uh, temperatures that don't do them service. And it is fun to have just like a little corner. That's yeah. yeah. And, and we're, we're prepping for, for a big summer of, you know, charcuterie and wine. Oh, and, yeah. And sitting on our back patio. Excellent. And, and that's going to be a, a big help for us. And it's really fun to like make food or have people over me like and kind of flip through your vinyl and yeah. be like, oh, what, like what's a good bottle for this? Group? And then you like this one, right. you know, it's really, yeah, exactly. Congrats. That's yeah. awesome. Well, thank you thank so you. much for being here. Thanks for having me. So great to meet you. We're big fans. Cheers. 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 Thank you. Cheers. 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 I just drink wine. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with many names. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with coffee mates. I just drink wine. Give me red, white, or say, don't touch me, motherfucker. I'm a Somalia. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit boardwalkaudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.